Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher, author, filmmaker, and the founder of Fempeak. On this podcast, I speak to some of the most brilliant minds of our time to help us navigate emerging technologies leading to a socioeconomic singularity. Our guest today is Tara Anison, her second time on the podcast. Tara is a scrum master at Elliptic. She's also won multiple awards for her contributions in the crypto space. Tara is quickly becoming one of my favorite people to hang out with. I'm so glad that she's based in London. We recently went to the Coin Bureau conference together, and I always enjoy geeking out together. In this episode, we talk about the recent Bitcoin conference in Miami and Tara's trip to El Salvador. I hope you enjoy. The main conversation today is going to be around your trip to uh, Miami and uh, and then El Salvador. Yeah. But uh, we were we were just talking about Solana, and you were saying that you are losing a little bit faith in it. I I feel the same a little bit. It's kind of a shame because I had a lot of big high hopes for it. Um, but I'm sort of thinking that at the moment my feeling is next time it reaches an all time high, I'm probably going to denominate it into Bitcoin. Um, you know, like. Like uh, if it hits another over 200 or so, I will immediately because it's just like not being, I don't know, like uh, there's too many outages, too many, uh, too many issues. Yeah, definitely. And I think that was that was the challenge. Like what Solana did is they basically like ripped up the technology rule book. They created brand new technologies and it was always going to be a bit of a risk. And that's why mm-hmm. everyone was kind of drawn to it because the, the transactions per second is like crazy. But, you know, naturally, whenever you're creating brand new tech, there's the risk that fundamentally it might just not work. And so I suppose my concern is that they basically just tried to change too much. It doesn't all play nicely together. And then also, you know, super fast TPS is is great. But if Mm. Ethereum's going to move towards being this layer two first solution, like Vitalik says, to be honest, they're probably going to solve the TPS issue themselves. Fees will eventually come down once we've got sharding. So it's kind of like Solana and Cardano and and loads of these other blockchains exist to be, even if they don't say it, like Ethereum competitors because Ethereum doesn't have the capacity right now. As soon as Ethereum has the capacity, it's kind of like, why would you choose one of the alternatives? You may as well stick to the one that has the most developer activity, the biggest community. So, yeah, I'm I'm not too you know, long-term bullish. I am starting to kind of feel that way a little bit. For example, I recently bought a, a Solana NFT just to try it, you know, since they, they came on to OpenSea. And to be honest, I find myself never looking at it like I... I never actually do the switch. So I'm just fear, uh, feeling like, you know, even though it's on, technically it's on OpenSea, this whole thing of having to switch your wallet yeah, and go into another wallet just to see that NFT, I just can't get excited about uh, Solana NFTs or even Polygon NFTs. I just can't get in, excited about them because everything is happening, uh, right? It's like... Uh, I think it was Rao Powell who said Ethereum is like Manhattan, Manhattan, you know, like, like everything's happening there. Yes. It's congested, yeah. congested, it's busy, it's expensive, but everything's happening there. And yeah, it's, 100%. that's the reason why despite the, the high cost, I decided to go with Ethereum for um, Fempeak NFTs because it felt like it was going to be the legacy, you know, chain. Exactly. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so um, so obviously Solana had a really good run. Um, you know, I kind of wish I had sold then, but um, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, so I'm just thinking. But then I, I did buy again at as the prices went down. So I'm I'm currently feeling like next time it uh, it hits like if if hits around three hundred dollars, I'm probably gonna um denominate it all into Bitcoin. Um, because I mean, yeah, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, so yeah, I know always be yeah. stacking stats. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. I think so. Like, I, I, it's quite interesting. One of my uh, one of the uh, girls in our team messaged me yesterday and said, "Can I have a certain portion of my salary moving forward in Bitcoin?" Nice. You know, like people are starting to think. I told her, "Look, it's easier if I just give it to you and you do it yourself." <laughs> you know, like because I'm uh, then I'm making one transaction. But but I think it's it's really good that people are starting to think that way. And um, Ethereum, I still buy ETH because I have to pay for things in ETH. Uh, you yeah. Know, like I I pay uh, some of our developers want to pay and be paid in ETH. Um, then of course there's all the gas fees. There's uh, I I buy NFTs. You know, so um, so I'm still buying ETH uh, as well. I'm I'm bullish on both of them, uh, ETH and and Bitcoin. But moving forward, I see myself less and less interested in other things. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah, I've started just because the, there's so much out there. I always get people saying to me like, oh, what do you think about this protocol? What do you think about this protocol? And in the, the olden days of crypto, you know, like seven years ago, there was a small enough group of like altcoins that were prominent that you could be like, okay, I actually understand how the consensus mechanism in Stellar works. And yeah, I've looked into how Hydra is going to work on Cardano. And now people are just throwing these protocols like, what about this? I'm like, well, it's like 500s by market cap. I'm not possibly going to try and stay up to date with how all of these are working. So I feel I'm becoming more of a kind of like original chain maxi. And unless you're Bitcoin, Ethereum, Zcash, Litecoin. I'm just not going to try and stay up to date with the technical goings on. Yeah, and especially, I mean, look, if the Lightning Network on Bitcoin becomes what it, we hope, and yeah. if the Layer Two solutions on Ethereum become what we think and we hope, then it does render the other chains a little bit less. I mean, mm. I think I think we will still have a few major chains. Yeah, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, not everything happens in Manhattan. There's there's other chains, but I'm um, I'm just a bit jaded about all these outages and and technical issues and the exploits and everything. Um, it just doesn't feel like um, as secure as um, trustworthy. I understand that they're still saying that we are in a beta um, mode, but. But all, you know, all chains are kind of in some way in beta slash active development. Like they're all software, software's never done. So yeah. I don't think you can kind of use that as an excuse to be like, oh, our chain got hacked. We're still in development. We're all in development and not all chains. Yeah, and how many hacked. times are you going to get bailed out, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think, so. yeah, I'm, I'm very much we'll see. But I, yeah, I don't think the Ethereum competitor, like the high TPS chains, I think their days are kind of, not numbered, but I think the days of them being some kind of USP are numbered because it's going to mm. become table stakes. Like every chain now has to have smart contracts. You have to have token abilities. Soon I think you're going to need human readable addresses. All of this stuff is going to be like, oh, your blockchain doesn't do that rather than come to us. We're a blockchain with 
X, Y, and Z TPS. Mm. It's like, yeah, okay, that's, and what? What else have you got? Yeah, yeah. And um, I have found a new appreciation for uh, NFTs because, <laughs> because, because when you think about it, you see, so when you buy, say, for example, you buy Solana and you are hoping for the price to go up, even when the price goes up, it goes up in terms of dollars. Whereas if your NFT appreciates, it appreciates in ETH. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. You think about like to buy a Moonbird for two and a half ETH and like it's sitting around 30 ETH now, like that's like your, uh, you have, your gains are in ETH. I saw yeah. a trade just like this the other day. Um, I'm doing a, a report at the moment on crime in the metaverse. So I'm, deep into the dodgy stuff going on the metaverse and I've been looking at various kind of wash trades and money laundering flags and uh, there was a transaction which on the surface doesn't really make sense because someone bought it for um, I can't remember the exact numbers but let's say a hundred thousand dollar equivalent it was like um, a couple of ETH and when they sold it they sold it for less dollars but more ETH because the price had dropped and so you'd look at that and you'd be like well they just lost you know twenty thousand dollars or something off the price and well actually they're like pretty much doubled the ETH that they've got Mm. it's pretty smart sale as long as you believe and this is not financial advice but as long as you believe the value of ETH is going to go up you know that's a good sale and so I thought that was really interesting because if you're looking at this transaction from like a crime perspective and Mm. applying like a fiat crime lens so like they just made a dollar loss why would they do that when you look at the native amount in ETH you're like great trade good job so i thought yeah. that was quite interesting because it means no definitely copy and paste. definitely definitely very interesting like i'm really um starting to think more and more in terms of eth and bitcoin you know for for my speaking engagements and things like that i'm now uh consulting things like that i'm just requesting to be paid in eth and bitcoin and moving forward because I love that. Maybe I so should do that. Do that. Yeah, yeah, I should do, do that. that. Yeah. There was um, a great moment. I think we're going to talk about Miami in a, in a bit. Yeah, yeah. There was a great moment in Miami where I was on um, watching the mining stage. So a whole stage dedicated to like the mining industry and crypto. It was the most raucous stage by far. And at one point, someone mentioned, oh, with the, the Bitcoin price being around about $40,000. And someone shouted out in the audience, they basically were like, I don't, can I swear? on this podcast uh, yeah yeah oh, we can always beep it, beep it. Yeah, okay, okay you can beep it so they were like <laughs> fiat price references and i was like yes <laughs> the people That's just so the price right? of like, bitcoin price in ETH. <laughs> exactly like the price of one bitcoin is 100 million satoshis not yeah. so much dollars right like if you think in in terms of that and you believe that in the long run that's what's going to be um like i'm getting more and more bullish on every day i'm becoming more interested in everything to do with web3 like I, this morning i was thinking like fempeak what we are we are planning to have a fempeak dow as like a you know Hi. sub sub segment of you know like our community decide so that will be for our nft holders you know not not for the general public who become uh, you know because we are gonna have at least for the foreseeable uh, future what we are gonna have is we're going to have like our there's 
something to do with uh, the NFTs and NFT holders, you know, in terms of how we shape the future of the platform. Uh, and they have a say in it. And, you know, they, I really want them to be a big part of this community. And then there are people who don't have wallets and they just want to get a general subscription to go come in and learn. So, so there will be that, right? And then in the future, eventually we will tokenize everything. But in uh, but I'm thinking like we need a, a Fempeak DAO, which is focused on that you need the NFT to get in, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so the more I'm thinking, the more I think about it, the more I'm fascinated. Like I spent an hour and a half last night talking to one of the ladies, one of the ladybirds from the Moonbird uh, community um, who works in Bankless DAO. And she was like teaching me how it works. She showed me her, shared her screen. She showed me, she was like, I live here. Like literally, I literally live here. Like, oh. So fascinating. It's a whole other world. And I think people have no idea what's coming, you know, and, and where it's coming from, how it's going to hit them. Because, you know, all these DAOs, like they are completely changing the nature of work, the nature yeah. of, uh, you know, uh, like people are excited to be part of, you know, they buy the tokens to get into the community. Some people earn the tokens, you know, like I was thinking yeah. there's so many, so many people in Fanpeak that they don't, necessarily have the money to buy a membership or you know get that nft we can give them tasks to do to help right yeah exactly those i love um so i'm really bullish on DAOs. that's like another area i obsess with as well less like into it kind of personally but like really watching the space because there's some really cool stuff uh, projects are doing where they do kind of like tech bug bounties and they're like mm -hmm. we need someone to create us a marketing video if you do it and the community like the dad community is like yeah we like it then they'll pay you like such a clever idea for basically the creative industry at large so yeah i i love DAOs. i think and the kind of exclusive community side i mean you know with board ape yacht club and um friends with benefits like all of these places are really noticing like you want to be part of exclusive cool clubs. And of course you would. That's what people have been doing for generations with the members only clubs, whether you're, you know, part of those kind of exclusive all male banker ones or some of the really cool female ones now. Like um there's one in I think it's I think they're West London based called Albright, which do a great yeah, yeah. job of like promoting uh kind of female spaces and bringing communities together. So it just yes. totally makes sense you'd have this in a digital version. Yeah, absolutely. And what I see with like our unique kind of edge is that combination of technology and philosophy, you know, so where, we, where that's why I call myself tech philosopher, you know, uh, mm -hmm. like these are people who are uh, technology, philosophy, science, you know, art, like all of this coming together and it's led by women for everyone. So, so tell me a little bit more about um, Miami and you know, obviously when Bitcoin started, probably Satoshi was not necessarily thinking about DAOs and, you know, all these things that came out of it. So what was your sense of people who were there, you know, like, uh, did you meet people who were like running these DAOs, you know, like, is it, 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 it I guess my question is, have you seen the Bitcoin community keep up with the um evolutions that has come out of bitcoin this is a great question because 
like Bitcoin 2022 is like a Bitcoin maximalist conference. Like you're mm. not going to find talks about other tokens. In fact, when speakers mentioned like Ethereum, there were boos. Like it was really, really Bitcoin centered. Everything was bright orange there. The Bitcoin symbol was everywhere. There were people on the uh, exhibition floors were Bitcoin companies. Like you didn't have people there who were doing DAOs. You didn't have metaverse play. Well, I met a couple of metaverse people, but like the, the exhibitors were all very crypto, or like Bitcoin specific focused. So it's really not a conference to go to if you want a general view about crypto as an industry and, and, and where blockchain's going. Like it literally is a Bitcoin only conference. So I love that as, you know, Bitcoin, oh, I want to reclaim the Bitcoin maxi kind of concept because it doesn't mean you hate everything else. It just means you like prefer Bitcoin. So for me, I think it was great because it like as a as a narrative was doubling down on the fact like we don't need to have all these kind of crazy ideas being built on Bitcoin. Bitcoin is to be a digital form of money. The rest of the crypto industry can do whatever they want to do they can build the innovations but let's like double down on what bitcoin is and it's this mm. digital form of money so i yeah i personally found it really good because it focused on you know what technical developments were coming how do we try and make mining more compatible with esg regulations and uh, environmental protections so it was just really focused on bitcoin which i love because many other conferences try and be too broad and this mm. industry is huge so it was nice to be specific for once yeah, no, that's uh, that sounds interesting. But it's um, it's quite fascinating when you think about. It's always like this in history. Like there's like a pioneer, you know, a prophet, right? And the prophet comes up with something, a, a unique idea, and then their deci- disciples, uh, you know, become uh, fragmented, and they go into different, you know, different uh, ways, and and sometimes then they end up, some of them end up actually disagreeing with the original, um, you know, thesis. And then there are other people that are like, uh, oh no, we are like, we are, we are of the original opinion, you know, and we um, really want to kind of continue the way of the original kind of founder. It's always like that. It's, it's a very fascinating um, human nature when you think about it. Um, because to me, I think, yes, it's really interesting that the Bitcoin conference is, is all about Bitcoin, but sometimes I find like a heavy, a heavy, it, look, you are redefining Bitcoin maximalist. Many people are not like that. For example, yeah, I know that is, uh, was his name? Peter McCormick? Is, is, oh, I yeah. Know. I mean, yeah. yeah. So. There's a lot of. Like, Bitcoin yeah. Maxi, so I literally like and I, I love everything it. else is pointless. Yeah, and I, I love his podcast. Exist. I listened yeah. to his podcast. Right. You, I think he's he's got an amazing podcast. I actually reached out to him. He said that he was super busy, you know, didn't really have time to come on this podcast. Uh hopefully at some point we will get him on. But um, you know, he was uh like I remember at some point he was like, I don't understand Ethereum, like <laughs> what is it? Like, what is it exactly? Like, I don't understand what they're trying to do. And I was like, well, that's the whole point. It's kind of like, well, when Charles Babbage came up with the idea of, uh, you know, the computer, he was thinking of it in terms of being more of a logarithmic uh, device, right? That it would do logarithmic calculations. 
it was Ada Lovelace who looked at that and said, actually, this can be a universal machine. It can do a lot of other things. And then, of course, um, Alan Turing went on and, and actually created that um, you know, uh, universal machine. So that's kind of like Bitcoin and Ethereum. So Bitcoin was created from that kind of um, dealing with the numbers side. And then um, Vitalik is looking at it and thinking, like this could be something bigger. It could be like a universal computer. So, um, which is decentralized, which is that that's why you can't really define what it is. You know, like what, what is a computer? Is it a device for, you know, creating music? Is it a device for creating, uh, you know, uh, uh, tokenizing money? You know, like there's so many different things that you can think about doing with it, you know? So, um, so, but that's, that's fascinating. Okay. So what else did you, did you get to see, uh, uh, Michael Saylor's talk? No. So I, so there were loads of uh, different stages. I predominantly based myself at the open source stage, which had all of the Bitcoin core developers. So I was like celebrity spotting for the day because for nerds like me saying like Matt Carello, uh, Luke Dash Jr. who can be like pretty fiery on the Bitcoin dev mailing list. So Jeremy Rubin, like all of these people that are contributing to the core code were on stage talking. So I was literally there like, oh my God, it's so-and-so. I then tweeted about seeing them and some of them liked it. So I was just like, oh my God, this is the best day ever. (laughs) Uh, But it was the super nerdy talks. So all the people there were the ones like, building with Bitcoin, really interested in like the code level. There was like the main stage, which was Nakamoto, and that had the the big names like Cynthia Loomis. I think that's the one Michael Saylor was on. Um, there was like, I, I caught one talk on that stage, which was quite funny because I um, went to go get my lunch and then I needed somewhere to be basically eat it. I didn't want to go outside because it was a million degrees. And anywhere else I sat, you know, you, as a conference people always sit down like so what are you enjoying and you're like leave me alone I'm just trying to eat my sandwich so I went into the back of Nakamoto to kind of sit there and eat my sandwich in peace and there were these like uh basically just these boomers on stage who were running this talk all about like it's like put your hand up if you're a bitcoin billionaire and obviously no one put the hand up and they're like put your hand up if you're gonna be a bitcoin billionaire and then everyone's like yeah and i was like oh my god where am i and it was just this, like crypto bro talk it's, and they kept being like yeah bitcoin's the future let me hear you say it and i was like i'm just trying to eat my sandwich in peace what is this so i kind of avoided that stage because it felt like a hype stage as opposed to like oh my god the detail like nitty-gritty tech stages which is what I was interested in so I kind of flitted between open source stage the mining stage whenever they had anything about ESG and then I went to a really interesting talk in um, the genesis stage which was all about Bitcoin's rollout in El Salvador because I was going there a few Mm. days later so I was like I definitely want to hear that so yeah I kind of was on those three stages uh, for the majority of the time. Amazing no that's that's funny I watched um, uh, the a live stream and it felt like at some points it felt like it was like just a bunch of teenage boys <laughs> you know, like, okay I think that was like the theme of the Nakamoto stage because even when Jack Marler did his big announcement for strike so I was on the um we had a booth during it so I was uh, on the booth at this so we were like watching live stream on my phone whilst like people coming up tell me about crypto compliance I'm like yeah okay just one second Jack's making a very important announcement but let me help you <laughs> um and he was very much like padding around on the stage getting everyone hyped so 
maybe that was like the Nakamoto stage brief. Like you got to come big and you got to hype the crowd up. <laughs> and it wasn't that, and actually his announcement wasn't that big, was it? Like, uh, well, oh, I mean, I it was know. big, but it like, wasn't yeah. like... Yeah, Everyone was like, hoping for an Apple integration. Did so, you notice that the price of Bitcoin suddenly crashed after that? Like right, Oh, I right, didn't. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think everyone was... Because obviously the last announcement he made last year was huge as well. So I think everyone was expecting the Apple announcement. But mm. Shopify is huge. And like, you know, they announced a couple of other partners there as well. So I think everyone basically had too high an expectation. And so it didn't feel as impressive. But yeah. like it still was an impressive announcement. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people were hoping for another con- country, um, you know, adopting. Oh, yeah. And and then of course Apple, uh, which uh, which wasn't the case. So, look, I know we are here to talk about Bitcoin Miami, but what are your thoughts on Twitter? Like, what's happening there? I mean, so I like listen. I really respect Elon Musk for like changing the world in several industries. And I read um, one of his autobiographies a while ago, and was like, this guy is really impressive for his tenacity. I don't think I'd want him as a boss. Uh, that's for sure. So mm-hmm. I like. I like how he's trying to change the world in so many ways. I just don't get this Twitter play at all. Like he's talking about creating a more open public organization whilst actually making the organization private. So that doesn't really make sense. He talks about, you know, wanting to have this like open free platform for anyone to be able to have a voice, but we need to crack down on spam messages, which I agree with, they're a nightmare, but then means that we're going to stop those people posting. So I'm kind of like, I feel you can't have your cake and eat it here. And he basically, it just seems to be the case of a rich man slash boy who's a bit annoyed about a platform. So he buys it. I'm like, I don't know if this feels like it should be allowed. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I have a much more optimistic view of this. (laughs) You know, sell it to me. Sell me the dream. Well, uh, look, he's very unpredictable okay like he's a bit of a wild card you don't know like he's one of those people that like I I may say something and then he might wake up in the morning and just think um let's do something completely different radical (laughs) and I understand that because I'm a bit like that you know like you know I like I I explain something to my team I get everybody to buy into it and then like two days later I'm like no guys we're not doing (laughs) that you know and and sometimes they don't even get the memo because it's in my head and I think I've told them and and then they're like oh I was doing this thing that you mentioned I'm like oh no no that changed we're not doing that anymore (laughs) you know so that happens a lot and I kind of I really uh, I feel like he's my kindred spirit, you know, <laughs> yeah, like I really, I, I really have that. I kind of really understand where he's coming from. Um, I don't know. I'm quite impressed with what, what he's doing. I think he is, he's challenging uh, the status quo. He's like, also like he's potentially thinking that we need to get beyond this whole um, situation of, everything being about engagement uh, to a point uh, that you know that like you're you're building the algorithm of your social media specifically to be around engagement and that's not a good thing because you know you're relying on um mm-hmm. you know on advertising revenue i would love to see him tokenize um twitter you know i i i would you know i think that it would be good if because if if he tokenizes it and people buy tokens, then it becomes public again. And, and then 
you know, you, I, I, I would really like him to tokenize it and then incentivize good behavior um, for token holders. That's what yeah, I get what you mean. I, and maybe if he did something like that, it could be interesting. But I think all he's going to do is come in, add Doge tipping, change the logo to Shiba Inu, and that'll be about it. <laughs> you think? But, yeah, I don't know. Huh. Like, yeah, maybe I'm a bit too skeptical on this one. So hopefully, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to being surprised, pleasantly surprised. But I think I am a bit skeptical that he's going to come in and get rid of all the spamming, all of the kind of, um, there's so many crypto scams that people run on there, nasty people being trolls. Like, I just don't see how he's going to solve that. I think it's a it's a really good challenge for him, uh, yeah. and you know it would be uh, it would be very interesting. I, I I know a lot of people are saying that the fact that he's taking a public company uh, private, you know, that that's like defeating the purpose. I disagree with that because actually, when you have shareholders, um, you know, there is so much pressure. Mm for uh, quarterly reports and and you know like if he That's can true. take off the pressure of making money through advertising through you know um uh, ways that that incentivize not necessarily very good behavior and just um uh, you know hyped um engagement you know that could be a good thing so look I, i'm yeah. keeping keeping an open mind let's see but i in general uh, i think it could be potentially good for crypto as a whole yeah. yeah well okay i no. i will i'll wait and see <laughs> yeah okay yeah yeah well he is uh like i say he's a wild card so you never know <laughs> that's um, true i mean if anyone if anyone can solve twitter's issues it probably is elon but he could also make them worse, worse. or take yeah. it in a slightly weird direction so i agree so like, i don't maybe... hold any deutsch do you think we should start buying some deutsch <laughs> i mean i can't give you financial advice but i do hold some deutsch yeah, I guess maybe I should buy some just in case. <laughs> <laughs> this is Elon, like. Mm. Yeah, I know, I know, right? Okay, yeah, obviously. So, um, okay, so um, tell me about El Salvador. What was it like? Yeah, it was amazing. So I've never been to Central or South America before. So this was a bit of a back. How big is fire. it? How um, big? Small, yeah, it's a country, it's very small. So you fly into um, San Salvador Airport, which is actually, I think, about an hour away from San Salvador, which is the main city. I went from the airport up to Santa Ana, which is kind of like the second biggest city. And that was, I want to say it's about two, two hours, but then with traffic, it was much worse. And at that point, you've basically crossed most of the country. So it's super tiny. From Santa Ana, we went to a beautiful little village called El Taco, uh, called El Taco. And we could see, I think it was... Um, Honduras or Guatemala my geography is really rubbish but they basically were like you see that mountain over there that's in another country and we were like that's really not that far away so yeah I mean beautiful though like just so green so luscious it was amazing but quite like dicey like it's mm. not a tourist hot spot so you like no one there spoke English um, really okay. yeah you really had to what's the language Spanish Spanish okay so I had to channel my inner Spaniard and try and remember all of my Spanish, uh, mm -hmm. which was, you know, fun but challenging. Uh, but it was, yeah, just absolutely beautiful. It was interesting is obviously it's a, a Bitcoin nation. You can use Bitcoin as legal tender, but you're pretty limited in, in where you can spend Bitcoin really? because it's a really cash-based economy. So when you're buying a pupusa, which is this like kind of flour, corn, bread, um, 
uh, food with mm. you can have like for hardly beans in it and cheese and plantain. Oh my god, delicious! Um, when you buy those on the side of the road, that's cash. Like mm. you only pay in cash. That mm. if you're going into like shops and stuff, they're pretty well set up with cards. We didn't have any issues with like Visa or Mastercard. But you cannot withdraw money from an ATM. It seems so. That oh, was wow. a challenging day for okay. us. Um, so it's super cash-based economy. Most places had like signs in the window that said like you know we accept Visa, Mastercard, not Amex. Some said we accept Bitcoin. Um, but it was really only when we got to Bitcoin Beach, which is Alzonte, which you see Bitcoin everywhere. Like, how do you pay with Bitcoin there? Uh, yeah, so it was it was super fun. So I paid for dinner one night in Alzonte with uh, with Bitcoin. I um, they prefer you to use like the Lightning Network because it's so much quicker. There's the El Chivo wallet that all citizens have, but they suggest you get a Lightning wallet um, to be able to pay easily. I didn't have a Lightning wallet and I didn't set it up beforehand. So I was like, oh, I'll just send some money from, um, I set up like a segregated Coinbase account just in case my phone was stolen. So I was like, I'll just have this ready. Um, and so we got to the end of the meal, went down to, to pay and they just had a QR code to scan with their address. So it was like super easy. I took my phone a little while to recognize it, but I think it was the light. And then um, it just said, you know, how much do you want to pay? And it was all in there, press send. Uh, and my uh, friend got a picture of me doing it because she was like, you look so excited. I was like, I cannot explain how excited I am. <laughs> 20 minutes later, we're waiting for confirmations to come through. And she's there like, Tara, I really don't think this is going to take off. It's pretty slow. And I was like, honestly, <laughs> if we were paying with lightning, it would be through. The person on uh, the lady on the other side, on the cash side, she was like, um, it isn't coming through. Can you pay again? And I was like, nope, here's the transaction hash. You're on two confirmations. Your phone's probably waiting for three to six. And she was very much like, what's a confirmation? So I was like, time to educate. So I was like, there, like <laughs> waiting for these confirmations. I'm like, this is how Bitcoin works. And, and by the way, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we'd already eaten at this point, luckily. So we were, so I was more than happy to explain. Uh, but yeah, they're definitely, and actually one of the, the talks I went to at Miami, they said like education was one of their biggest challenges. So they rolled this out with very little education to the populace. Mm. So most people don't get Bitcoin and how it works. Wow. So that's why okay. I was having to try and explain what confirmations were. Um, and in Spanish thing happens uh, luckily she spoke English like my Spanish does not get me to the point of explaining Bitcoin I don't <laughs> even know what a minor would be well yeah it'd be a nightmare so that was good it like finally came through um, and I got to like, pay for my dinner in Bitcoin but yeah most places it's just like the QR code they'll show you and then uh, once you pay on lightning it's super quick but uh, for people like me that pay on normal Bitcoin rails yeah we were there for a half an hour <laughs> so okay so, so I need to get this lightning thing then yeah. Yeah. Get, grab a lightning wallet. It's it's so much more efficient for payments generally. Uh, but certainly, yeah, the last thing you want to be doing in El Salvador is just kind of waiting in the dark for half an hour for a payment to go through. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of which, uh, so the um, Bitcoin is down right now, right? What are your thoughts on uh, what's happening in the market right now um, as we speak? Yeah, Why? so I don't tend to watch the the prices too closely. I'm very much like a long term hodler. So no, I do time, because I want to buy. Probably going to go up. Oh <laughs> right, okay, fair. <laughs> Look, I'm like thinking every time it's down. I'm uh, so I usually set like um you know uh, uh limit orders so that it buys automatically when it hits a certain number. But um yeah, just uh, thinking about how low is it going to go, um and you know what's happening because uh, so what what were your thoughts on 
the possibility of the U.S. government actually going more in that in that direction. I recently interviewed um, Matthew Pines, uh, who was on uh, Peter McCormick's uh, guest. Uh, he has written a really interesting report on Bitcoin, and basically, I'm I'm stealing all his guests, <laughs> you know, his that. guests, and and the bankless uh, uh, bankless podcast. So I'm just going other podcasts that I listen to, and when I really like one of those interviews, I immediately tell my team, "Can you please reach out to this person?" And and, <laughs> and then I have them on my podcast. And it's he's written this very interesting report on um, on Bitcoin, and uh, you know how why it's so important for the. Uh, for the U.S. government to, um, you know, to uh, embrace it. Um, I know that the government probably has got uh, now a good amount of Bitcoin in their custody from the different hacks that were re mm. recovered. So I'm guessing they're probably not going to auction those. I, I think they're probably going to keep hold of those, you know. Um, uh, that's kind of my thinking on that um but yeah so what was from a governmental perspective what was your general feeling of like were there people from the government there uh no one that so cynthia loomis was there who's yes. like the the crypto senator, senator. Yes. so yeah so she was there she was speaking on stage um i saw like one or two events where people had speakers from various governments there um there was like various um telegram groups it's like look we've got you know congressman x or we've got uh, this person from this government here i don't think i mean i didn't see any uh, anyone else uh, on stage who was from the government and most people walking around were not in identifiable clothes. like there was no one with like u.s government written on the back so it's hard to know i didn't speak to anyone i suspect there definitely would have been some people there from law enforcement government that were slightly playing it under the radar just to see what was happening and, and the general vibe etc so yeah there definitely would have been people there even if they weren't speaking on stage um yeah there would need to be along to see what uh, all the the revolutionaries are talking about so so with all this um talks of the metaverse and with everything that's kind of evolving out of the blockchain um ecosystem um, what are your thoughts about where Bitcoin stands? Like if we are living in the metaverse, you know, and uh, people are having to have these different tokens, you know, with uh, uh, that are issued by the Yuga Labs and, you know, all these different, you know, uh, companies that are building metaverses. Where do you think Bitcoin is going to fall in, in, a, in an ecosystem where most of us live in the metaverse? So, I mean, it was originally meant to be this digital form of cash. I think most people can see now that it's probably not the direction that Bitcoin's traveling to replace mm -hmm. the US dollar and be used for the majority of goods and services. Like, you know, I think lightning people would disagree with me on that. But I think a large it's moving to be, you know, that the digital asset, like the asset of Web 3.0 that you invest in and and you know, maybe won't be as volatile in the future, but the returns have definitely been better than any traditional stock or, or asset or commodity in the space. So I think Bitcoin's moving towards that purpose. It's your digital investment of choice. Mm -hmm. That works really nicely with, you know, a metaverse where we're you know, living in and, and maybe the currencies that we use there are going to be different. Maybe it'll be mana, maybe it'll be sand, maybe it'll be eight, maybe it'll be mm -hmm. ether, maybe it'll be something else. So I think it's 
definitely not in competition with the metaverse kind of concept. I think it's collaborative in some ways to the metaverse concept. I don't think we're going to be paying for things in the metaverse with Bitcoin, though. Just like I don't think we're going to be paying for the majority of things in the real world with Bitcoin. But absolutely, I think it's there to be an asset. You'll have your your virtual land that is an asset in the metaverse. You'll have your Bitcoin, which is an asset within the kind of outer web 3.0 world. So, yeah, I think it's very like collaborative as an idea. I don't think it's going to be metaverse or Bitcoin. So do you think in general that Bitcoin, you know, having been in the in the Miami um, uh, conference, it, does it generally feel like that people are pushing for Bitcoin to become something that you would use as a payment method or or is it primarily for store of wealth? So I think it depends like if you are bullish on lightning then you believe it can be a payment rail if you don't really think lightning is going to be as impactful as uh, maybe people say or isn't going to take off then I think you're more store of value so mm. I Before the conference, I wouldn't say I was skeptical about Lightning as as a kind of layer two solution, but I, it just hadn't quite like taken off in the way that maybe I wanted it to. Post the conference, when there was so much chat about Lightning, there were loads of really impressive stuff people are doing on Lightning. I actually have become like more bullish on Lightning, and I'm like, okay. yeah, this like I think is is kind of going to go somewhere. I don't think it's going to replace the U.S. dollar to be like the reserve currency of the world, but I think it will become a reserve currency, which is one that, you know, if you are in a war zone, for instance, you're able to move in and out of to kind of hedge your assets. If you are living in a totalitarian government, you're able to access to move funds. If you live in a democratic government, government and you just want another payment rail, which is quicker, cheaper or whatever, it's an option. So I think it's going to become a reserve currency for people in the world. I don't think it's going to replace the dollar, but I do think, which is quite nice, the governments are worried that it will replace the dollar. And that's why so many of them are coming out with stable coins. They're trying to embrace Bitcoin. Some are trying to ban it uh, in various different ways. So I like the fact that these big nation states are kind of getting like a little bit scared of Bitcoin. They're like, but, but what if it does take over? Because you mm -hmm. only need to look like not even three years ago, like two years ago, many of the governments were like, Bitcoin, what's that? No, it won't catch on. And mm. then they started becoming a bit more like, oh, but blockchain, we kind of like blockchain. Like 2015 was the year of blockchain, not Bitcoin. Then the banks started being a bit like, oh, maybe we can like get on board with this. And now all the banks are like, okay, we need to do something about this. this yeah, and now it's Web3. Now yeah, and that, well, we, like it's like a rebrand, isn't it? They, like, yeah. The banks didn't like the term crypto, so we call it Web3. And suddenly they're like, yeah, we love Web3. And uh, you do realize underneath that is just loads of crypto stuff, but still. So I like the fact that they're a bit scared of it and they want to get involved in it. I, like, I think it's exciting. I don't think crypto generally and, and certainly Bitcoin need financial institutions and need governments and um, large organizations like that to survive i think bitcoin's kind of there like if you want to jump on the rocket ship come join if not we're like we're setting off basically mm -hmm. but that's my bitcoin maximalist hat on there yeah no i think i think people will <laughs> take that with a grain of salt even though i personally agree with you well is there any final thoughts you want to leave our viewers uh you know with having come from uh having come back from uh, el salvador and, and the things that you have seen um yeah did you actually go to the volcanoes 
yeah, I climbed up Santa Ana volcano. So I had the coolest experience. I climbed up the volcano and we were with this like little group and I got to explain how Bitcoin and proof of work mining works climbing up this volcano. So I'm there like out of breath being like, okay, so the difficulty is this and our nonce is this. And then you have a golden nonce, which is this. And like, I'm climbing up this volcano and it was so much fun explaining to an entirely captive audience. There was nowhere else they could go. But <laughs> they wanted to listen at how crypto worked. So that was such a like life highlight for me. So I would definitely recommend anyone who is like into crypto, definitely have a look at going to El Salvador. Like it's a beautiful country. It's a bit dicey at times. So don't go by yourself. And um, I went with one friend who was female at times I think we would have been happy to have someone male with us uh, but like it was still, it was still a really great country and Bitcoin Beach felt very safe like it was just the other areas we went to which were a bit more spicy so Bitcoin Beach definitely go because I had when I was paying for um, my meal in Bitcoin I said to the waiter half jokingly but like has Bitcoin changed your life and he was like yes 100 really? percent it's brought people into the area so we've got wow. more jobs we're making more money and I was like okay like that is amazing to hear like That's it's nice. genuinely changing people's lives there and whilst it isn't the case that everyone loves it like I saw some anti-bitcoin graffiti in places um like it, it's changing lives like that is so cool so I would definitely recommend like have a look at going to El Salvador That's amazing. Well, I guess one final question. What's your what are your thoughts on the UK government becoming more Bitcoin friendly or well, well, they? Uh, blockchain? <laughs> yeah, well, they, did yeah. you see that they said that not Bitcoin, they said that uh, that the UK is going to become the crypto asset hub of Europe? So you, you can say that? this, but you know, actions have to follow. So the FCA has had problem after problem registering crypto businesses. Businesses across the UK still have access getting bank accounts. People paying in crypto for crypto investments like buying uh, on Coinbase, etc., keep finding their accounts being closed down or investigated. So actions have to follow. Like the government can say, we want to be a crypto hub, but they've got to make it easier and better for people to do business here. Like Pete McCormack, He talks on his podcast all the time about the problems he has with banks shutting down his business and like that cannot continue. If we want to be, I feel like I'm on a bit of a soapbox here, but if we want to be a crypto like mm. encouraging nation, we have to start with supporting businesses that operate in the crypto space. Yeah, uh, you know, Starling is closing our bank account because we have had um, crypto. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, because, you know, we've been buying crypto to pay our you know, for like, we've got a NFT project to pay our staff to pay for gas fees, you know, like, uh, there's quite a lot that we do with crypto. So that uh, we pay our members, uh, you know, uh, that, yeah, you know, $20 of Bitcoin, when they upgrade, of course, we've at the moment, we've stopped that because we have we are spending so much on the um, on the NFTs. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like, there is, um, Yeah, uh, so starting is closing both bank accounts of Smart Cookie Media and Fempeak. So we've had to move to Revolut. This is the thing, like, you know, the impact that has on businesses is huge. How much of your time has been wasted on so this? So much. How many missed opportunities? Like, the these businesses and the government at large has to get better, like the bank, sorry, and the government at large has to get better at educating themselves, working with, and like, set a plug here, but like, Elliptic literally does on-chain analysis. So banks and other um, 
businesses in the space can mitigate crypto related risks. Just because you use, accept or spend crypto does not mean you're doing anything illicit. We can track all this stuff. So banks shouldn't just by default be scared of crypto or ban businesses that are using crypto. There are tools out there, plenty of tools out there to help them analyze risk in ways that you can't even do in fiat. So they need to get better at like proportionally mitigating the risks and trying to find ways to embrace it like the uk cannot be a crypto hub unless it starts helping businesses that work in the space so whilst it's great to hear the government and, and various people talk about these ambitions listen we need some action we need some yeah. tangible on the ground action before i will believe that we can be a crypto hub yeah definitely okay i think that's a that's a good place to bring this to an end because they are hopefully they will listen to this because we are <laughs> yeah. we are actually looking at uh we are reaching out to rishi sonak's um uh team to see if we can get them to help us with uh you know a sponsor a conference here in london um you know to bring in speakers from around the world and like do something big here so we'll see i'm going to send them this podcast uh, but <laughs> if you're serious about it you need to get behind it and 100% yeah. they do like it, it you know actions speak louder than words and we're it's going to bring it's going to bring so many business opportunities to the uk 100% and the risks can be managed effectively. That's what I think people aren't understanding. Like, yes, you see news headlines all the times of scams and exploits, et cetera. The proportion of illicit activity in crypto is less than 1%. The proportion of illicit activity in fiat in US dollars is between two and 5%. Yeah. So even though you're hearing about all these scams, the majority of activity in Bitcoin is not linked to crime at all. So it's a really false narrative that we need to kind of counteract because it's just really unhelpful for those that are you know, making legislation and, and laws and things like that. They need to understand that crypto is a fantastic industry with loads of really cool innovation. The criminal element is really small and is being tracked by so many firms out there. So it's really hard to get away with criminal stuff in crypto. And it's getting even harder. Like if you look at recent hacks like the Ronin hack, they managed to get away with a couple of million and the rest of it, they've been blocked because yeah. it's all on chain. They can't use it, <laughs> so, yes. Exactly. It's really hard to be a criminal in crypto and we're making it harder. So the banks and the regulators need to kind of get on, get on board all of this exciting stuff that's going on and start falling prey to just thinking, oh, isn't Bitcoin just used by criminals? No, <laughs> no, it's hmm. not. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I thank you. All day I know, that. right? Like, thank you so much, Tara. We will we will send this to them, and uh, you know, hopefully, that will help their thinking, and they should come to all these amazing sessions that we do on Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tara Anderson. Be sure to follow her on LinkedIn and Twitter, and check out her excellent sessions on Fempeak. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full reviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariane Show. <laughs>